Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. My name's Dave, and I'll be your host this evening. I'm pleased that you could join me downstairs at the Leicester Square Theatre. Now, Stand Up Tragedy had our very own little drama last month when we were attacked by malware. Hackers somehow managed to infect and keep infecting our website with their maliciousness. It looked like it would be a tragedy and that our struggle to achieve web competence would be thwarted by one or more faceless bastards. But we finally tracked them down and removed them. So, Harv, if you could do the honours. Now, this is a screen grab of our virus. This is what they made it look like. Now, who knows if this represents them or if it's just a mask. But either way, these people... They prey on the weak and they make stupid programs that mess up other people's hard work. Now, when I get really angry, I like to impotently shake my fist like this. Uh, my girlfriend Jen says that makes me look a bit like a little goblin. Um, <laughs> I thought I would invite you all to join with me into some impotency this evening. So it seems to fit very well into the theme of the night. What's more tragic than our powerlessness? So after three, I want you to shake your fists with as much hate, spite and anger as you can muster. So one, two, three. Very good, very good, very good. And now it's time to give our arms a rest and our ears a treat as we start off with Jack Gobsmoth and his trumpet playing compadre, Ollie. I'm Jack Gobsmoth, but this is my band. <laughs> you can find the arts of Mr. Gobsmob at www.screaminmatriarch.com, although he, he isn't an artist. And uh, you can hear his punk band, Mummy Says I'm Special, at mummysaysimspecial.com. This is a tribute to my tragic flaw. My tragic flaw is complacency. I asked Dave to bring me a guitar. Assumed he'd bring me a guitar strap as well, but he didn't. So I went to Chinatown and bought five packs of pink shoelaces. If anyone needs a pack of pink shoelaces. <laughs> See me afterwards. Uh, I thought you referred to our tragic lack of practice. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. I was, I was thinking about doing that. <laughs> 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 Now for a short story by the appropriately named Emily Cleaver, read for you tonight by Richard Coward. Uh, you can find more of Emily's writings at emilycleaver.net. So, welcome Richard to the stage. An Incident on Charing Cross Road by Emily Cleaver. Just a few yards from where we are now, 77 years ago, a man was killed by a flock of doves. This is how it happened. Outside the stage door of the Alhambra Theatre of Varieties, Charing Cross Road, Neris Carter is leaning against a wall in the sun reading the paper. She feels insubstantial today, so she's smoking a cheroot. She feels insubstantial a lot of the time. To weigh herself down, she smokes, drinks champagne and sleeps with serious men she meets at the bar of the Wheat Chief. None of it works. The bubbles and smoke and kisses fizz around inside her and she feels like she's floating off. She works at the Alhambra as a magician's assistant and today she's supervising the delivery of a shipment of 100 white doves. A cart has pulled up and the driver and his mate are unloading a long wooden coop. The doves are for a new trick. 
They'll burst from a hidden hatch in the corner of the stage at the finale of the performance. The magician, Ackroyd D. Charles, hired Neris because she's short enough to fit into the sarcophagus of swords. He never remembers her name. Even the time she slept with him, as he climaxed on top of her, he shouted, Glenda! He explained that it was his wife's name and she nodded understandingly. <laughs> She's still waiting for him to sleep with her again. Neris is always waiting. Waiting for something to come along. Waiting for her moment. It might be the instant she spotted on the street and whisked away to Hollywood. But it might be some graver, more vital task she'll be called to perform. The paper Neris is reading is the Illustrated London News. It's full of noble acts and daring rescues. She might save a, a drowning child from a river or prevent a suicide. Or she might be recruited as a lady spy and sent undercover amongst the high society of Europe. Whatever it turns out to be, Neris is ready. All of this, she glances around at the grimy street, the tattered posters on the theatre door, all of this is temporary. Lunchtimes, she hangs around the luggage department of Selfridges, eyeing up suitcases. She's saving up to buy a good one. She tests the snappy gold clasps and strokes the soft leather like the flank of a pony. Sometimes she leans forward and takes a good deep sniff. The smell of the leather helps her to feel more solid. The driver of the cart is shuffling backwards, holding one end of the dove coop while his mate lowers the other end from the cart. The driver suddenly catches the edge of the pavement with his heel and trips backwards, dropping the coop. There's a splintering crack, the latch bursts and the doors fly open. A hundred terrified white doves erupt out of it. Their wings are clipped so they can't fly more than a few feet off the ground, but they try their hardest and Neris takes a step forward, as if she might stop them, but then watches as a flurry of doves manage a short flight into the road. The birds smash into the windscreen of an omnibus whose driver, startled by the shattered glass and sudden blood, swerves. He shouts, watch it, as the omnibus mounts the pavement and hits a man. The man is thrown high into the air and bounces off of the bonnet of a taxi cab. The impact sends one of his heavy work boots and a sock tumbling across the road. He lands with an arm twisted under him. Neris feels a, a tingle of nerves. She runs out between the stationary traffic, stepping from the wings onto her stage. She kneels next to the man who's slumped against the bumper of the taxi, staring at the bare toes of his exposed foot. Neris clears her throat. Can you move them? They both look at his toes. Don't let him take me to the morgue, the man says. Some of the fizz escapes Neris in a silly little laugh. She puts her hand over her mouth. I know what goes on in the morgue. Your toes go blue. The toenails on his bare foot are cut neatly. The skin looks soft. Uh, I use my wife's cold cream. You can tell. Neris feels herself becoming insubstantial again and decides to hold the man's hand. He squeezes her fingers confidentially. I, I didn't really lose that ten shillings. She looks around on the ground. We can find it, I'm sure. I was going to buy her a dress, but she threw a plate at me, so I spent it. Who threw a plate at you? Says Neris. He looks irritated. My wife, of course. 
This is it, her grave commission. Neris grips his hand harder to stop her own from trembling. She pictures his wife sobbing as she receives the message. She will thank Neris through the tears. They will become friends. She sees the headline in the paper, Heroine bystander entrusted with dying man's last words. What should I tell your wife? He looks horrified. Christ, don't tell her. What does she expect when she wears her petticoats to bed? A man's got needs. He contorts as if another omnibus has run him over. My books. Lie, lie back now. Neris pushes down on his shoulders, but he's as stiff as a board. He stares, confused. They must be packed into the case in a very particular order. I, I can take her a message. You won't be able to do it, Mary. You know you won't. He strikes violently his forehead with a hand. He's suddenly suspicious of Neris. You've always thought, I was wasting my time, haven't you? I I'm not your wife. The man looks straight at her for the first time, and Neris knows that he can see through her. To the smoke and bubbles, to her on her back, legs spread while Ackroyd T. Charles rocks back and forth on top, shouting some other woman's name. I've grown to hate you. You've always held me back. The man looks back to his bare toes as they're recalling him to where he is. Tell her that. <laughs> he stares over at Neris's shoulder. A dove lets out a flurry of joyful throbbing notes. He's a goner, says the driver of the delivery cart leaning over Neris's shoulder. The wail of an ambulance sirens approaches. A policeman, called from his beat, hurries up breathless. He, he said he didn't want to go to the morgue, Neris says. The policeman laughs, short and bitter. I bet he didn't, poor sod. The ambulance men lift the body onto the stretcher and cover it with a sheet. As they push the stretcher into the back of the ambulance, the sheet slips and a bare foot waves at the small crowd that's gathered. The ambulance drives away towards the morgue. The policeman sluices the blood off the street with a bucket of water. Neris stands up, feeling the weight of the message like a suitcase in her hand that she can't put down. really hard to try and up our game on that one. However, we're always looking to improve. We're looking to expand and maybe have videos and some more photographs. So if you're listening to this and you live in London and you're interested in video or in audio or in taking photographs, get in contact with us at upstandingtragedy at gmail.com. And finally, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Helen Arney to the stage. You can find Helen Arney at helenarney.com and check out her science and comedy night at festivalofthespokennerd.com. So give a round of applause for Helen Arney. Hello? Hello, Stand Up Tragedy. Are you, are you, are you well? Yes. Oh, 
that this uh, can I just say this is an absolutely fantastic night. This is exactly my sort of comedy. I do gigs all the way up and down the country, but I've I've never been to a night like this, and I absolutely bloody love it. Uh, so I'm going to do some songs for you on this thing. Does Does anyone know what it is? Give me Give me a guess. Give me a Anyone? You think it might be a ukulele, but actually, it is a normal size guitar, and I am massive. So, <laughs> uh, now we've got the joke out of the way, I'm going to do a song for you. This is a song uh, about loss. If you want to hear more, if you want to hear whole songs by Helen Arney, go along to her website or have a look on iTunes or Amazon or Bandcamp. You can find her at helenarney.bandcamp.com. Dot com and you can buy her songs loads of her comedy albums really quite cheap some of the tracks there are free so get along there for example you can buy six songs about science for two quid or you can buy 17 of her songs helen arnie's songs for modern loving you can get that for three quid so download them all off there digitally not very much money support a great comedian and musician and enjoy her stuff full length. We're really pleased that she came along. This is a little bit of an old song of mine. It's um, from the year 2001 where I met someone very special. song at the start, it really wasn't, um, I do apologise. So uh, how are you enjoying stand-up tragedy? Yay! Good. Uh, excellent, this is, this is genuinely a lovely night. I, I do um, love writing tragic songs. Um, my mother is um, an interesting woman, she always wonders why I write such uh, cynical songs. Um, I think there's, there's quite a lot uh, to do with my upbringing, um, the things that my, my mother has taught me. Um, the things that I learnt when I was at school. Um, I've got a song about school times, but um, does anyone remember uh, doing sex education at school? Um, can, we, can we have a cheer for uh, people who had sex education? Yes. Yes. Good, good, this is good. I did this in a gig in uh, Birmingham the other night. It was absolute silence. It didn't seem to reach that far north. Uh, so, uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, anyone who didn't experience sex education? Yeah, yeah, a few. You, there's always a few. There's always a few. Well, what happens is they, they teach you how to put a condom on a carrot. That's one of the things that you get taught. Oh, although some, someone shouted out, "No, a banana!" I'm like, "Well, at a gig the other night, at private school, that's what you get." Um, <laughs> someone said cucumber as well. I was like, "Bloody hell!" It was uh, um, you know, They said it was more of a gherkin, really, by the time they uh, got around to it. But uh, we put a, a condom on a carrot, and it, and it is a very useful thing. Uh, to do. The thing is, they really need to give you the full instructions from the beginning to the end of the process because when I had to actually do that for real in my real life, what they didn't say uh, was that you really shouldn't grate it and turn it into a soup afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> It's really what you shouldn't do. Although if you fish the latex out, it is quite delicious uh, crusty bread. So um, I'm going to do a very quick song that uh, I learnt when I was at school. Um, if anyone uh, knows this song, please do sing along as well. So it's one of those really happy, positive songs. Perhaps if you know the chorus, do sing along, right? A is for a positive attitude. That's what you need in life. <laughs> B is for bubble gum. You know. 
Our Indiegogo campaign finished on the 1st of March and I'm really pleased to be able to say that we earned enough to be able to pay every performer that performs a stand-up tragedy £10. It's been really touching to me actually to hear from the performers that I have been contacting to retroactively pay them these £10, just how grateful they are to be paid for their work. It does say something about the world we live in that people who make art are not often paid for it. Often people are doing gigs for free, hoping to get some exposure, kind of gambling on what they're doing. And they put time and they put work into writing a story or crafting a comedy routine and things like that. And hey, yeah, we don't do it for the money. We don't do it for the money. But you know what? We have to live in the world and the world requires money. It'd be great if it didn't require money, but it does. So it's great to be able to pay these performers £10. And that is thanks to everybody that's donated to the Indiegogo campaign. Loads of people who've donated have done so completely anonymously. And that is fair enough. Just because they chose to contribute anonymously doesn't mean their contributions were any less appreciated and in fact some of the largest contributions were anonymous ones and hey we're all kind of anonymous in the world it doesn't mean that we don't deserve thanks and appreciation so thank you all so much over the next two weeks i'll thank all of the people who did give their names and you are very appreciated and if you were expecting it this week, sorry, it's coming either next week or the week after. So listen out for it then. If you've enjoyed tonight, please tell people about it. And we also have uh, stand-up tragedy hoodies and T-shirts like this and mugs and badges and even underwear uh, that you can buy uh, from the website for quite an extortionate price. But uh, that's uh, print, print on demand for you. Um, and if you're a fan of the logo, please go and check out www.shavenravendesigns.co.uk where you can find out how to get a great logo and other brilliant design work done for you at a reasonable rate by a fantastic designer. Now, we're releasing extracts from all the nights as podcasts available through iTunes, SoundCloud and the Stitcher Smart Radio app. We're going to finish up tonight with a song that we're always finishing up the night with called The Tragedy Is Over. Wow. Um, I'd like to welcome Hayley to the stage, but she's already here. Um, and because tragedy is a communal experience, we're all going to sing along with this. And the words are here at the back. Some of you may have downloaded it for free already. Hopefully it's pretty easy to pick up. Uh, this is us doing it and you. Dry your eyes, it's time to go. Dry your eyes, it's the end of the show. You don't have to sing it. Dry your eyes, it's time to go. Dry your eyes, it's the end of the show. It's time to go. So the words are there, so I should be hearing your voice. It's time to go.
tragedy is over.